Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Have one verse there, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 9, and then from there there'll be a whole bunch of other verses. But let me kind of introduce uh, the thought, um, getting our heart and our mind postured right in, in where we're going. Uh, everybody knows in the American culture, at least, I'm sure that it's true globally uh, to some extent, but everybody knows in the American culture, a new year means a new beginning. And over the last couple of years, it's been like crazy, confusing, and exhausting, and everybody's hoping and wondering if and when we're going to get back to something that even looks like normal. And so that leaves us in a different place this year than we've been maybe in previous years, and that's this. There's some of you that are so ready. You're so ready for a new beginning, a new chapter. You're so beginning to be able to kind of realign some stuff and do better and be better and reach higher. And, and, and the new year, you know, is just this obvious place that everybody in the culture, you know, joins in that. But a, there's a growing population in the United States that as we round the corner this year, even though all of those things are wonderful and you'd love to have that, you're exhausted, you're so tired. And there's been so much change already to even try to wrap your head and your heart around changing again and on purpose this time, not just as a response or a reaction. Boy, some of you are saying, I, I just don't know if I have it in me to even figure out how to do that. I'm just kind of, you know, in this mode, almost surviving, but just trying to do the best I could or can, hoping that things will come around. But I want to talk to both groups this morning, and I want to pull you into a Bible perspective because there's something that God says repeatedly from the beginning of the Bible all the way through Revelation. That means uh, even during last days where things are getting more and more confusing, where you can turn to Matthew 24 and Jesus said, hey, you know you're getting in the last days. The birth pains are here. I'm coming soon when you start seeing these things. And we're watching every single one of them grow with intensity, accelerating more and more often, which means the birth pains are getting more intense. It's a, a new age is about to be born. No question about that. Can't argue with it. Doesn't even mean that even if you're not a believer, you can't argue with the fact that God said that. But something consistent throughout the Bible is that God is still who he says he is. And he delights, I mean, it just lights him up to rescue, to refresh, to come and help his children, to be able to find breakthroughs over barriers, to live these overcoming lives, to, to be people that are, are fulfilled, that are living life to the full the way he promised, and, and we're living it victoriously. God just loves that. In fact, I want to give you a, just a smattering of examples in the Bible. We're not studying any of these. They're just, you know, quick little synopsis. And so if you'd like to take notes, just write down the references. You can go look at them later. But listen to what in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says, the people who know their God shall be strong and shall carry out great exploits. That's who God wants his kids to be. That's how he wants us to be reflecting who he is to the rest of the world. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 
Every single one, God comes to the rescue and brings victory and, and deliverance. Romans 1.17 talks about the righteousness of God or the way we live our lives in this victory is revealed to us in levels from one faith to the next faith. In other words, we grow in our ability to trust God and it, it kind of summarizes and says, in fact, those that have been justified, the just are supposed to live their whole lives by faith. Growing from one victory to the next victory to the next victory, that should be kind of what characterizes the life of someone who's trusting the Lord. Well, as we do that, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says that our lives begin to be transformed. We start living and talking and thinking and acting just like the Lord Jesus, which brings us in, into this place where we're living from glory to glory. In other words, God demonstrates in and through our life that he is who he says he is from one one level to the next level to the next level to the next level. And the author of Hebrews picks up in, in chapter 10 verse 38 and says, God wants us to keep on that kind of a progression, constantly moving forward, constantly overcoming, constantly meeting challenges in faith and confidence and watching God come through and do what he says he would do. In fact, he goes on and it says in verse 38, if, you, if you're someone who decides to shrink back if you let discouragement and you let exhaustion and you let something begin to let your life erode and go backwards, God says, that's no fun for me. I take no pleasure in that. That doesn't make me happy. That doesn't please me. I don't get excited about that at all. I want to see my kids moving forward and growing. Well, we're told a lot, you know, again, in, in the New Testament, Romans 5, 17 says that Christ died so that you and I could reign in life. Talking about we're in control of what's happening in our life. We're not being drugged behind life, and we're just trying to keep up. No, no, you're, you're, on, you're, in, you're on top. You're leading life. Life's not leading you. And Romans 8, 31 through 39 says that we're more than conquerors in Christ, that nothing that happens in the world ever will separate us from God's love or his commitment to keep his promises. We are more than conquerors with anything that challenges us. And finally, Philippians 4.13 says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now listen, I'm not even coming close to exhausting the list. This is just kind of, you know, skipping a rock across and, and touching on the high points, but it's consistent all the way through the Bible. And so I just want you to know, this is a theme that runs in God's heart. This is what God intends for his people to live in and, and, and for us to be, to be able to walk, look at our lives and say, man, we're, we're doing it. We're making progress. We're overcoming challenges. We're watching God do some impossible things. Now, again, I know I'm talking to a group of people here that might be saying, man, I, I hear that and I believe it. I really do. I'm, I'm not challenging that. I know what the Bible says, but I'm, again, I'm so tired and I feel so defeated. I feel like in so many areas, you know, I've watched over the last couple of years, my life drift and my life change. And I didn't initiate that. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to react and how to respond. And so I don't know if I can get up and I don't know if I can gear up from the inside and say, okay, that's it. We're going to have a great year. We're going to do it. I don't know if I've got it in me. And by the way, no condemnation for that. I totally get it. The Bible addresses things like that. Like, for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen to what the Apostle Paul was spelling because he got there too. There were times where, man, he was going through some rough patches and he was exhausted. Times where he said, I feel like everybody in the world has deserted me. I don't have one person that will stand right next to me. And he's exhausted and he's struggling, but this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 4. In verse 7, he says, We now have this light 
this ray of hope shining in our hearts, but we ourselves in, in the rest of us, so we've got this belief. We know what God said, and we know that there's a hope that God can do the impossible, but he says the rest of us, the rest of our makeup is like fragile clays of, uh, clays, clay jars containing this great treasure, which makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Well, that's good news. So if you feel like that you're barely hanging on, that's okay. God's okay with that. Because you've got this, this word of God, this hope on the inside, this little tiny flicker of light that says, yeah, but your power, your ability to see something great didn't come from you in the first place. It came from God. And then he goes on and he lists kind of where he's at in his life. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but listen to this, but we're not crushed. We're, we are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We haven't given up. We're hunted down, but we've never, we're never abandoned by God. In other words, he's with us every step. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. One translation says, we might get knocked down, but we're not knocked out. And verse 10 says, through suffering, our body continues to share in the death of Jesus so that another rendering is where the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So even in our physical bodies, we have an opportunity to recognize, I, I'm, I'm so physically exhausted. I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm, I've gotten fighting off infection, sickness, disease, whatever it is. But the Bible says that even in that opportunity is, is, an, is a chance for the power of God to be able to demonstrate that healing and restoration and refreshing is even true in our physical bodies. Jump to verse 13, it says, but we continue to preach. Because we have the same kind of faith that the, psalm, the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God and so I spoke. In other words, he's saying, let me tell you what the spirit of faith does. Even though it's a tiny little flicker of hope and everything else seems to be trying to smother it out. He says, I'm recognizing that it, it's not about how I feel. It's not about my emotions. It's not about whether I think I can gear up. It's reaching deep inside like other people have done all the way through the Bible and realizing, yeah, but, but I believe that God's telling the truth. I believe God is God. And I will grab hold of that. And I, he says, and we preach. It means to proclaim. This is what you're going to hear come out of my mouth. I might tell you, listen, I'm exhausted. I don't know how in the world that I'm going to gear up again. But before I finish the sentence, I will say, but thank God that I have Jesus in my life. And he made promises that it's not based on me anyway. That this is his grace gift. That's why he's the rescuer. That's why he's the savior, right? Not just initially for my forgiveness of sins, but anytime I'm going through life, when it looks like I'm about in a nosedive, I can call out to him. And the Bible says he's faithful. He will come and rescue and bring deliverance and bring overcoming so that what the devil meant for evil turns around saying, hey, I got a great testimony for you. Let me tell you what happened. I, I, there's no way I thought this is it. I, I, don't, I don't know if you even hang on much longer, much less try to gear up for something else. But let me tell you what the Lord did. This is consistent all the way through the Bible. This is not just kind of a one-time little passage or you know, just a feel-good message or you know, kind of a pep-you-up message that one of the apostles were given. This is consistent all the way through the Bible. And so we're going to start a new study today doesn't matter where you're at. I want everybody to come with us on this journey because we're going to go on a journey back to the Word of God. And we're going to start a new study, and we're entitling the series, Only God Can Do It, 
But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the month of January to set our course for a breakthrough year. There's a lot of people that come, you know, New Year's, uh, January 1, New Year's Day, here's my list of uh, resolutions. And this has been consistent statistics, by the way, but they they seem to be more intense this year. Uh, Statistics say that that over 50% of the American population, they just don't do resolutions anymore. Mostly because they're discouraged. It's not that they don't have a wish list or we hope it would get better, but mostly because they've just tried and failed so many times. They're like, yeah, what's the use? So they don't do resolutions anymore. But out of the, you know, 40 something, 49% who do, 70% of those people will uh, identify their resolution list on January 1st or maybe uh, the 31st of December. But by the time we get to January 20th, they've abandoned it. Because they realize, I don't have the discipline, I don't have the strength, I don't have whatever I didn't have last year, I still don't have it this year, to be able to, to, to recognize that I, I'm becoming different. They want to be different, they're desperate for it, but they don't know how to do it. And part of the reason is because of the planning process. You can't just, you know, say, okay, let me just think, how would I want my life to be and write this list of great, you know, I'm going to be different and expect that, voila, you are different. Even in the word of God, God's a very intentional God, very intentional, meticulously systematic in what he does. And so we're going to take the entire month of January and we're going to look in in the Bible and we're, we're going to look at a pattern here and there's five biblical steps that are essential so that you can begin to identify and experience breakthrough in, listen, any and every area of your life. Anyone. Everyone, you can be to experience um, a breakthrough, and, and this is, again, a biblical pattern. So we're going to look at the biblical steps of how God says do it, and we're going to take the month of January to do it. Now, for some of you that are thinking, yeah, but, you know, January 1, if I don't get started now, no, no, stop thinking about it in 365 days. Think about it in 12 blocks, and the first block is preparation. We're going to get everything ready. We're going to get you ready from the inside out. We're going to begin to build faith and remind ourselves who God is and what he said. And then for the next 11 months, we're going to live this out. So by the time we get here next year, should the Lord Jesus tarry, then we're, we're going to be able to say, yep, here's where my life was different. Here's where I experienced breakthrough and transformation. Here's where God did what only God can do. And now, not only did I experience that, but I recognize there's a systematic approach that the word of God allows me to set the stage so that God can do what he promised he would do. Now, there's one more little group of people as I'm kind of setting this up to say, okay, but, but listen, PJ, I, I don't need a breakthrough. I, I don't want to say that, you know, because lots of people do, but honestly, I'm doing okay. Life's doing pretty good. God's been good to me during the COVID craziness and the inflation, and I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And let me just say to you, listen, everyone always needs a breakthrough. Sometimes we, we, we narrow the term or the idea of breakthrough to, you know, crisis response. Like, well, I'm about to lose it, and suddenly out of nowhere, you know, I'm rescued. And it's certainly true. But breakthrough is not limited to that. It's not even always suddenly. It's not always, you know, some miraculous thing that happened. Breakthrough in the Bible oftentimes it is a progression of growth. 
is moving forward in spite of the obstacles and just watching God grow and transform and strengthen and solidify you so you literally grow to victory instead of, you know, come up to the altar at the right song and the right person and da-da-da, and all of a sudden, wham, everything's great. Not marginalizing that, that's wonderful, but honestly, that's the exception to a Christian life, not the rule. The rule is we grow in faith and we move on from victory to victory, from glory to glory, and this is what we're going to be able to study. So we're going to look at this. That's going to be our, our Bible teaching focus, and we're going to build ourselves up in faith. But we're going, to go, we're going to bring two other areas along with us. Every single message in January, we're going to take just a little bit of time at the end, and we're going to talk about how does this relate to us as a church? Because even though Pastor Brandon said, you know, we're one church and we don't think we're the church and we're, we're one part of what God's doing, we're a significant part. And we say that because of what the Lord said to us. We hold very, uh, very responsibly and we hold very uh, uh, precious the assignment that God's given us. And so we want to take these things to what God's called us to and we want to experience as a church times of breakthrough. We want to be able to, to move forward in God's plan, touching people's lives, bringing his gospel, bringing hope to people in ways that we've not been able to do before. And we also want, want to give opportunity for those of you that have been called to be part of this family. We want to give you opportunity to jump in and help us with that. Because that's why you're here, by the way, not just to sit and enjoy and listen. You're here to engage in the Great Commission and help all of us to help Jesus to make sure his church is strong and people's lives are being rescued. But finally, the third component we're going to look at is we want to make sure that you're translating these things to your individual life. So this is not like a success-oriented you know, study or a series. Uh, but we're going to take the Word of God, and we're going to do our best to bring it down to a spiritual practicality. This is how you can apply this. If you'll go week by week with us and allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do, then we're going to help you to, know, to learn how uh, individually to realign yourself with God's purpose and God's promise. And once you understand that, listen, you can replicate it every area of your life. This is the way God set it up. Every area of your life will work when you begin to understand the principles and the truths and how to allow God to do it. All right, so I ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and Mark chapter 9. Look at one verse in Mark chapter 9, then we're coming back to Hebrews 11, then we're going back to Mark chapter 9. That might be confusing, but follow me. I'll walk you right through it. So Mark chapter 9, verse 23, this is our theme verse. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, there's the condition, all things are possible to him who believes. I don't care how you study that in the Greek, if you go back into the original, you know, the Hebrew language, and it doesn't matter where you study it from, this verse means what it says. If you're able to create faith and believe that God will do the impossible, then all things, there's not any area of your life that's out of bounds, there's not anything too impossible, there's not anything too small and trivial, all things are possible to him who believes. And we, we want to, to recognize there are literally things in all of our lives that only God can do. They're impossible. That's true. But listen, following the Lord into believing him for the impossible is entirely possible. In fact, as you're looking at the New Testament, it's not just possible, it's expected. 
This is what the Bible is, is, is wanting us to grow as New Testament believers to not just be religious and recognize someday we'll go to heaven and it's going to be great. We're supposed to be demonstrating right here in the earth that Jesus really did come back from the dead, that he really is alive, and that his sacrifice was significant, not just for an eternal destiny, but so that we can live in confidence and in power uh, uh, that God gave us right here on the earth, shining life for others to say, no, this stuff's real and this stuff's works. So the question is then, what does that mean to believe for the impossible? Well, mo most Christians don't realize there's actually two parts. And they, they just come out glaringly obvious in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Let me just read it to you. It's a little self-test that you can administer anytime in any situation to say, how am I doing? Am, am, I, am I in a posture to believe God for the impossible? And this is what it says, Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must, and here's the two things, two things now. Number one, believe that he is. And I like to say it this way, you just have to believe that he is God. Or let me say it another way, you have to believe that God can do the impossible. There's no situation, no circumstance, I don't care if it's personal or global, there's nothing that will ever happen in your life on the earth, directly or indirectly, that God's not big enough and not able to handle. And the first thing you have to come to grips with is, there is a God, and he can do anything. Now, the interesting thing is most Christians pass that particular step with flying colors. If you didn't, then you would have struggled in salvation because how do I know that God will forgive me and I'm really going to this place called heaven that no one's ever been there? At least, you know, no, no, one's, no, one's, no one's selling brochures, right? Uh, so we, we know we're going to get there, but we just kind of have to wait and see what, it, what it's really going to be like. And, but listen, the fact that you can believe God for salvation means that you've already acknowledged at least on that level that he is God and he can do something impossible and you're actually putting your faith, putting your life in his hands for that. That's a wonderful thing. That's kind of an easy yes to kind of build, build our, you know, build our momentum and get us going. But the second one is where everybody struggles. It says, and you have to believe that he is the rewarder for those who diligently seek him. We're going to come back to that at the end, but here's what that means. That means that you have to believe that if you do what God asks, listen, then he will do the impossible for you. It's a contract. It's a guarantee. This is a promise of God. You do what I'm asking you to do, and you have my word. I promise you, I will do what I promise to do for you, no matter how impossible that it looks. This is what God says, and this is what we need to do then in these five weeks. We need to begin not just to remind ourselves that God can do the impossible, but we need to begin to look at face value what are those areas of impossibility in our life that we can begin to build trust and, and come to a confidence, not only can he do it, God will do that for me this year. Now, this is true for anything, right? So we can hear one scripture and say, okay, God, I'm just believing you for that. But on the inside, you believe he can do it. You're just like, ah, oh, but I'm not sure he will, but I really hope he will, but I'm not sure he will. Yeah, you got to settle that issue before you step out into faith. In fact, I ask you to turn to Mark chapter 9. Here's a wonderful illustration. And unfortunately, we're not going to get to do deep teaching on it uh, because we don't have the time this morning. But I'm going to show you from Mark chapter 9 six reasons why people struggle to believe that God will do the impossibility for them. 
And, and they're going to be so obvious, I'll just jump off the page. So I might give a sentence, but I'm not going to teach on it as much as I'd love to. Uh, but you should be able to quickly connect, and you'll find yourself in this story, I promise you, maybe more than once. But Mark chapter 9, in verse 14 now, this is a story about Jesus miraculously healing and delivering uh, a little boy. And this is what it says. And when he, that's talking about Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw the great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Now, I want you to recognize he's talking to three crowds. There's, there's a mix of three different groups here. There's disciples, there's scribes who are real skeptical, and then there's just a crowd, and they're just trying to understand what, what's he saying and how does this really work. Verse 15 goes on and says, immediately when they, all of them, saw him, all of the people were greatly amazed. Oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, and running to him, greeted him. Verse 16, and he, Jesus, asked the scribes, so he addresses one particular group, what were you discussing with them, that's the disciples? Because as he's walking up, he can see they're in this pretty big, intense discussion. But watch this. Then one of the crowd, so he's not really talking to them, but they just jump out and say anyway, answered and said, teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. Now he knows this is not physical. This is something that goes to a whole nother level that he certainly doesn't understand. He says he has a mute spirit and whenever it seizes him, so he's not like this all the time, but out of nowhere, suddenly something just grabs him and just throws him into these seizures or these convulsions. It says it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. In other words, this is an extreme situation. Very hard to diagnose because it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it is extreme, it's violent, it's scary, and it doesn't seem like there's any way to fix this. It just it is, is what it is. But the, the, the dad goes on and says, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but listen to this, but they could not. Reason number one why people struggle to believe that God will do the impossible for them is because they tried and they failed. Maybe you've tried before. You found some scriptures and you started trying to build faith. You memorized them. You meditated on them. You quoted them. You came up to the altar and let people pray for you. You, you, know, you might have even gone to a conference with somebody uh, with a ministry with a lot of track record of success in healing and deliverance. You did all of those things, but it doesn't seem like it's working. And so the struggle for you is, if I tried all that stuff and it just doesn't work. All right? So again, we're not teaching about how to get out of it yet. We're just talking about where the struggles are. That's the first one. Let's continue. We're in verse 19. And he, this is Jesus, answered him, that's the father, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you and how long shall I bear with you? So he's talking to the father, but he's really talking so that everybody can hear. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm in like my third year of ministry here. And I would have thought that by now, at least a few of you would have had enough faith to handle this? How long do I keep having to be the one on the scene? How long do I keep having to be patient and teaching you so that you'll finally catch on? Jesus is a little bit short with him, but he's venting something saying, by now we should have been able to handle this. He goes on nevertheless and says, bring him the child to me. Verse 20, then they brought him, the son, to him, Jesus. And when he, the son, saw him, Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell 
fell to the ground and wallowed foaming in the mouth. Here's reason number two that people struggle to believe that God will do the impossible for them is the outward circumstances seem overwhelming. Every obstacle is tough or it wouldn't be an obstacle, right? But, but every obstacle is really tough. But for some, there, there's some things that we encounter that are just outrageously impossible, I mean, we look at them, we can hardly get our head wrapped around, you know, what the challenge is, much less think through it and, and realize, no, God, God can do this. And, and they'll cause us to quickly forget those scriptures that we just read and many, many more that promises not only God can do the impossible, but God wants the impossible to be characteristically normal for us as Christians because he's so faithful. So we can see how outrageous the circumstance is, but we forget how outrageously good and how outrageously faithful and how outrageously powerful this God is that we serve. And so it's, it, it's just, you know, the, the circumstances overwhelm us. So that's the second reason. Let's keep reading. We're in verse 21. So he, Jesus, asked the Father, how long has this been happening to him, to the Son? And the Father said, from childhood. Oh, wow, that's a long time. This is not something that just started, you know, last week or a month ago or a few months ago. That's a long time. Verse 22, and often he, now he's talking about somebody else. He's talking about the demon. Remember he said he had a mute spirit. He's talking about whatever that evil influence that keeps grabbing him and throwing him into seizures. He said, and he, the demon, has thrown him, the son, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. In other words, he tried to burn him alive and he's tried to drown him. It goes on and says, but, listen to the father now, but if you can do anything then have compassion on us. Here's reason number three people struggle to believe. It's, it's because long-standing challenges has eroded their hope. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred, when you put your hope and it doesn't work, and then you gear up hope again and it doesn't work, and you get your gear up hope again and it doesn't work, hope deferred actually makes your heart sick. But notice this, but when, not if, when the desire comes, it's like a tree of life. All of a sudden, life and faith and confidence and courage and healing and all that stuff just comes flooding back in, and you're like a whole new person again. And this is what the Bible says. But if you've been believing God for something and it's been a long time, see, the challenge is instead of rising to the occasion and believing that God's word's right, we will lower our standards to believe that whatever this challenge is that we've tried from every direction and it doesn't seem to go away, we'll just kind of start saying, well, you know, that's just how it is. That's just my weakness. Well, you know, that's just a thing I have to struggle with. Well, you know, that our family's always been like that. Well, you know, that's just the economy we live in. There, I mean, we, we really can't expect for anything else. Well, you know, that's just how marriages are. They start really strong and then they just kind of cool off and you just hope you can make it all the way to the end without splitting up. And see, and, but, but this is what we do because it's been with us a long time and we just kind of lose steam. All right, let's keep going. We're in verse 23 now. And Jesus said to him, first of all, the guy just said to Jesus, the dad, if you can do anything, and Jesus comes back and says, no, no, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes. So Jesus said, no, no, it, the problem's not on my end because I can do anything. I mean, I can do this thing. God can do this thing. The problem's on your end. If you can believe, then all things are impossible. Verse 24, and immediately the father of the child cried out with tears. His heart was sincere. Lord, I believe, but listen, but help my unbelief. In other words, I'm in a war on the inside. 
I, I can hear what you're saying, and I know God can do it. I, I'm just struggling to know, but, but will you do it for me? Will you do it for my son right now? Because I'm desperate. It's been a long time. Here's reason number four. There's many Christians that have lost faith in their faith. So when you start talking about, we're going to build up faith, ah, but I did that already. I guess I just don't have enough faith. Some people's faith, you know, can get in, they can pull it off. But for some reason, my faith has a deficiency. My faith is weak. And let me tell you some good news. Matthew 17, 20 says, if you just have a mustard seed, like, like almost unidentifiable in your palm, if you just have the tiniest little fleck of faith in your heart, you, you got enough to move a mountain. This is what the Bible says. I didn't say this. But there's people that have lost faith in their faith, and so they struggle to say, you know, when you say, but if all things, you know, if we believe all things are possible, they, they struggle with that. But we're going to find out how to fix that. Mark chapter 9, verse 25 goes on and says, when Jesus saw that the people came running, so he's having this conversation, and all of a sudden the people see that he's focused in, and it's getting intense, and like, oh, Jesus is about to do something, and here they come running, they want to see what he's going to do. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Verse 26, then the spirit cried out, convulsed him, that's the son, greatly, and came out of him, and he, the son, became as one dead, so that many said, you killed him. Now, now think about this, right? Jesus is saying, no, no, I, I can handle this for you if you can believe. And the dad said, well, help me, help me. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe. Jesus turns to the son and takes authority over the spirit and commands it, stop it. Come out of him. You're never going to do this to him again. And that spirit in one final time grabs him, hurls him to the ground, and wretches him and seizes him so hard that he literally goes unconscious. I mean, that, that, he's screaming, right? Screaming, going unconscious. If that were to happen, like right here this morning, listen, those people that were running and leaning in, all of a sudden be like, whoa, what's going on here, man? That, that's just weird. But that's exactly what happened and to the point that when they saw him, all of a sudden just, he just went limp. They said, he's dead. Here's reason, the, the next reason. Uh, the reason number five is that problems often appear worse before they get solved. So you're believing God for finances, and all of a sudden, you get a pay reduction. Or you get some unexpected expenses that come out. And this happens all the time. It's almost regular. Mark chapter 4 says you can count on it. Anytime you take a step to believe God for something, Satan comes immediately to do something that will discourage you to say, yeah, whatever you did, that just made it worse. But this happens like on a regular basis often. But thank the Lord that 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. We're, we're never, we, just because it looks worse doesn't mean it is worse. We've built up faith. No, no. Not only did God say he can do the impossible, he promised he would. We've got a contract with him. He promised he would do it. Let's keep going. We're almost done in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 27. But Jesus took him, the little son, by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. By the way, this is exactly what Jesus does for all of us. When we get to that point and all of a sudden, man, we believe God and it looks like it got worse, Jesus is on the spot to take you by the hand and say, no, no, come here, I'll help you. Come here. You, you see it all over the Bible. Peter walked on the water, and, which is an amazing thing. right? He was like, whoa, look at Peter. He's doing the impossible. And all of a sudden, Peter started looking at the winds and the waves, and Peter started sinking. But listen to me, if you read your Bible, he didn't even get ankle deep. 
It's not like he's up to his eyeballs. You know, he's bobbing up and down, about to drown. He didn't get ankle deep. And Jesus reached out his hand and said, come here, come here. And then Jesus said, why'd you doubt? You were doing so good. Why'd you let that little thing of doubt creep in and start causing you to sink? But nevertheless, Jesus grabbed him and lifted him up. So, so he, he, he takes this little boy, lifts him up, and he arose. Verse 28, and when he, this is Jesus, after it was all over, when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Now, we don't have time to study, but they'd already had experience where Jesus sent them out, and they came back so excited saying, even the demons are subject to us. So the disciples had seen Jesus do it. They'd experienced doing it very successfully on their own. Jesus expected them to do it. He's like, how long, how, how long do I have to show up? How, how patient do I have to be before you'll step in? And he expected them to do what he just did to take authority and cast the spirit out. But, and so they're confused. They're like, how come it didn't work for us this time? And listen to verse 28. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 29. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now this is the final reason I'm going to give it to you and we're going to explain this as the series go on. But many people cannot believe God for the impossible or struggle to believe because they're not willing to pay the price to experience the impossible. God's grace is free. The Bible says this. But it's received by faith. And Pastor James teaches this right off the bat. Faith without works or without actions is dead on arrival. You can believe God can do something, and that's, that's the first measure of faith. But remember, we looked at Hebrews eleven six 6 says that God follows through and will do the impossible for those that diligently seek him. And so learning to say, okay, let's take some time now. We know what God can do. Let's take some time to begin to organize things in our heart, to renew our mind, to get the confidence that God's word is true, that he will do what he promised he would do. Let's take some time to get that all lined up in our heart. And sometimes you have to remove yourself from distractions. You have to, to lean in extra focused and extra heavy. And that's exactly what fasting and prayer is about. In fact, I'll talk to you just for a moment or two towards the end. All right, so that's six reasons why people struggle. Uh, listen, I studied them, and I could see almost like, you know, the pages of my life all the way through there. Yep, I remember that one. Yep, I did that one. Boy, I've done that one more than once. And, and realizing that all of these things come to challenge us. But we can grow in faith once we recognize, listen to me, that's just coming to distract us. So let me finish up this morning. This won't take long. And give us three truths now that will develop faith for the impossible. And the first truth, you should kind of already have it, uh, the first step. The first truth is realize that nothing is impossible for God. I don't mean just that God can do it, although let's just start there. Nothing's impossible for God. Some of you kind of, you know, might have sunk in your faith and your expectation for one of those six reasons to the point that you're just not sure. You know God could if he wanted to, but you're not sure he's even paying attention anymore. But I want you to know that God can do the impossible. And here's the angle I want to come at uh, for a little bit of support. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 has this wonderful scripture that applies to every one of our lives. And it starts this way. No temptation has overtaken you except such as it common to man. Now, the word temptation is really important because it's not a lighthearted word. It's a very involved word. It's always a word that is leaning towards destruction. 
that's leaning towards taking something away from you, lowering your standard of living, of expectation, of experience. It's always one of those words. But this particular Greek word literally means uh, uh, it's talking about any source that comes from outside of what you're personally experiencing and, and, and what you personally believe. It comes from outside to target a weakness in your flesh. And we've all got those. We're still working through. We're still growing and strengthening ourselves. But it will look for and it will find the weakness. And then it begins to pressure and to pound and to even lure you into a trap mentally, emotionally, physically, sometimes relationally. It's trying to lure you away from what God said into a place of unbelief and eventually into sin. And the result is if you don't recognize what's happening, if you don't recognize there's a drift going on, if you don't recognize, man, this pull is strong, I'm thinking and fighting harder to resist the pull than I am thinking about and, 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 and moving to progress in my faith and confidence. If you don't recognize that, eventually it'll set a hook in you and it'll draw you out into a one-time action, but it'll do it in a way that it's trying to form a repeated pattern and eventually it'll be an addiction. Or it'll be a mindset. You're in prison. You won't look back and even consider, maybe God can do something different. Maybe I don't have to live this way my whole life. Maybe I can go back to a time when, when I was so full of joy and so full of excitement. I could dream big dreams and every adventure you know, was kind of a, a next opportunity for me. All of these things are contained in this one word. But I want you to notice this. It says, you will never face any of those kinds of things except those things that are common to men. And this is a great word too. It's actually where we get the word anthropology, which means it applies to every person. It applies to the large population. In other words, whether you think this is something that only you're dealing with, because most of the time we think, well, nobody understands me. Nobody else is going through this. You need to recognize that's a lie. And if you give strength to this temptation, to this challenge, if you say, yeah, but nobody else is dealing with this, I've got to keep it a secret, and, and you say, yeah, but this thing's really got a hold of me, I'll, I'll try to figure it out somehow, and you keep failing and failing to the point that you stop fighting, and then you just realize, well, that's just me, I've just got to manage now, you know, the, the damage or the destruction and see if I can keep moving forward. If you do all of that stuff, then you're giving strength, you're putting faith in this temptation rather than faith in God. But it's important for you at those moments to remember, this is common. This is not like super strong. This is not a superhero grip on me. This is not something that can't be broken. Billions of people throughout the history of mankind have overcome this challenge. I can overcome it. God will do it for me. God's done it forever. We can read it all over the Bible. We can go online. We can find testimonies of millions and millions and millions of people who face the same similar circumstance, the same similar temptation, and they got over the top of it and lived a victorious life. You can too. But the first step is to realize, oh, this is just common. This is not some superhero temptation that's gripped you and you can never get out. Is You know what? Put it back in its rightful place as according to what God says. This is common. Lots of people go through this, and lots of people beat this, especially those that are believers in God. Everybody, 100% success rate, that those that trust the Lord will overcome this. This is just common. Now, when you begin to recognize that, then all of a sudden, the second part of 1 Corinthians 10 comes alive. Verse 13 says, but God is faithful, faithful. 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. In other words, God's monitoring, watching you. Maybe you think that, that you're already in so deep you can never get out, but God's like, no, that's just common. No, no, you, you can do this. No, come on. You can believe me. You can trust me. And you watch what happens. You're going to grow. What was meant for evil is going to become a testimony. You're going to be a whole different person. That will never dominate you again. In fact, you'll be able to help other people. You'll be able to say, I went through that, man. Let me just tell you, that's common. But God is an uncommon God. And God's, God will do the impossible. He says, we'll never allow you to be tempted what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it, or it literally means to overcome it. So the first thing you have to realize is God can do the impossible. There's not a situation in your life. There's not a stronghold in your family. I don't care if you say, yeah, but you don't understand for generations now. Yeah, but it can end with you. It's common. And God's an uncommon God. And God can, he's faithful, he will do the impossible if you'll just begin to whittle that thing back down and put it in its rightful place. God is supreme, this is not. Here's number two, no one is excluded by God. Because some people just get this idea, you know, they're looking at their own weaknesses and, and maybe some of those in what they think are uncommon situations and they, they think, well, I'm just not a good enough person. You know, God, God, God won't do that for me. But listen, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, the apostle Peter has this epiphany, this revelation from heaven. I mean, so much that he's just lit up and he's declaring and proclaiming it to the group of people that he's with. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, man, I've, I've discovered some, I know this to be a fact. There's no, uh, no, no, uh, um, uh, no question about it. He says, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. That means God doesn't have favorites. God doesn't like Pastor Gill or Pastor Brandon or Pastor Spencer any better than anybody else. God loves all of his kids the same. If he did something for one, he will absolutely do it for the other. If we look and say, man, they got through that, they broke it. Well, if God did it for them, God will do it for me. Yes, he will. He's no partiality at all. In fact, he goes on and expands. But in every nation, it's the Greek word ethnos, where we get ethnicity. And it's not just the color of a person's skin or, or, you know, or, their, or their, uh, their heritage. It's talking about the culture they grew up in, the mindset they grew up in, the economic, the educational opportunities, you know, the, the, the abuse they might have suffered or, or the privilege that they lived in. None of those things matter. None of those things matter. From every single nation, listen, whoever Whoever fears him, whoever reverences God, and back to Hebrews eleven six, he's God. He can do anything. This is God. And he promises he will do it if I will diligently seek him. If I'll go after and I'll begin to understand the principles that he's, he's put as I'm learning to live those out, God promised he'll be faithful to me. He says, whoever fears him, and this is that part, who works righteousness, listen to this, is accepted by him. And if you think that the no partiality part's good, the word accepted is just extravagantly wonderful. Because this particular word is, is from a, a root that means to extend the hand and to welcome into your lavish generosity and treasure. It's a picture of a very special guest that you've been looking forward to getting over to your house for a long, long time. And you've invited them, invited them, invited them, and finally they're able to show up. And man, you have just worked for weeks 
to make sure the house is just right, all the little things are fixed up, it's presentable, you know, the kids are dressed well and, and we're doing pretty good. We got a haircut and we're, you know, we're all ready to go. We've got a dinner laid out. We found out ahead of time what are all their favorite things. We've got them all laid out. And the moment they ring the doorbell, you're quick to open the door. Oh, we're so glad that you're here. Come in, come in. Hey, listen, our house is your house. Anything you need, let us know. We're just so happy that you're here. That's what the word means. And amazingly, that's how the Bible says God treats you. If you begin to recognize him, God doesn't have any favorites. We could say it this way, all of God's children are his favorites. And if you begin to give him his rightful place, he's God. He can do anything. He doesn't lie. He's faithful and he promised he would do it for me. If you begin to learn to work these principles, the Bible says God will fling the doors of his abundance open, will wrap his arms around you and say, I've been waiting for you. Come here. You, you, you won't believe how much I have for you. Listen, my house is your house. Anything I have. And we know that's true because Jesus confirmed it and says that God takes great pleasure in showing and demonstrating and giving his kingdom to his children. This is what lights God up. God absolutely loves this. And so we find out that next time that you feel like everybody else, you know, in the world or everybody else that you know is mem- has a membership to club blessing and somehow you don't, and you don't know how to do that, you need to come back and recognize, listen to me, that's just not true. That's one of those things the enemy is trying to distract me and get a hook in me and pull me into discouragement or pull me into despair or insecurity. And I need to come back and say, no, no, no. God's not, God's not partial to anybody. Anyone, anywhere, in any circumstance, no matter for how long, who chooses to put God and his word first, and learns how to begin to move in the kingdom truths, the Bible says God will enthusiastically welcome them into his abundance. Enthusiastically. This is the God that we serve. Here's the third, the third thing that we need in order to build faith uh, that God will do the impossible. And that's to realize that every Christian can develop faith for the impossible. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be saved for years and years. You might get saved at the end of this service. Maybe you got saved at Christmas Eve. It doesn't matter if, you're, if you have put your trust in Jesus and you become part of his family, then the Bible says you can begin to build faith on the inside so that God will do the impossible things for you. In fact, oftentimes it's easier for people that are brand new in their faith because, you know, they haven't had all those six experiences I tried and they didn't work and they haven't been drugged through all that. The enemy hasn't challenged them and they, man, they just believe God's good and God's wonderful and he forgave me and he can do anything. And oftentimes it's easier. But for some reason, as we keep moving forward, we let this get really complicated and we talk ourselves out of blessing. But the Bible says we don't have to do that, that we can build ourselves in faith. In fact, Romans 10 17 says that faith always comes by hearing and hearing or listening, catching something from the Lord comes by the word of God. In fact, listen to the message translation. It says, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is being preached, there's nothing to listen to. So opening the Bible, listen, shut down the news feed for a while. Shut down, you know, all the statistics. Stop looking at what's going on in your life. Stop making lists of things that you're doing wrong. And think, you know, stop, stop doing all that stuff. And open your Bible and listen to what God is telling you. 
And as you do that, then faith begins to rise in a confidence. So he really will do that. I mean, I knew he could, but I didn't realize that he actually would, that I'm actually one of his favorites. And all he's waiting for is for me to give him that respect and then just start doing what he's asking me to do. And bam, Bible says he'll start doing the impossible for me. There's nothing that I'm facing that's not common. This can be overcome. And God expects his children to live these uncommon lives. And so that's why we're taking the month of January. We're going to keep going. We're going to learn five biblical steps. And we're going to start that next Sunday. Uh, but let me, let me kind of give you the other two components real quick. That's also why we're setting a theme for 2022. We're not just trying to be ambitious. We're not trying to be optimistic. Boy, we've been praying for most of 2021. And we really believe that God wants to do some breakthrough stuff not just uh, with, with us as individuals, but we'll get to that, but with our church. He wants us to start reaching out. He wants us to start ha having people to come and get born again, rededicate their lives. And he wants us to our lives to demonstrate that God actually does the impossible. It's not a hit and miss. It's not like, well, if you get lucky on the right Sunday, God will do something. No, you can very intentionally begin walking in and, and building faith with God, and God will respond every single time. And so we've set this theme that only God can do it. And listen to me, for the rest of the year, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in the country, no matter what happens in our community, we are going to build our faith and posture ourselves, and we're going to believe that for us, God's going to do what only God can do, because that's what his word promises us. And next Sunday, we're going to introduce and invite every one of you to go on this journey, 21 days of fasting and prayer. We'll talk more about that next Sunday, but I just want to get the thought planted in your heart. And we're doing that in part because we just read in Mark 29, the disciples said, how come we couldn't do the impossible? And he said, because this kind comes out by nothing but fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer is not to show God how spiritual you are, to show God how serious you are, to somehow earn God's favor and say, look at how hard they're trying. Okay, fine, I'll do it. Fasting and prayer is to push aside some distractions and to take some time to say, Lord, I need to lean in and catch some things from you so that I can begin to build faith on the inside. Because once I do, God's faithful. Every single time, God will do what he said he would do, but sometimes we need to remove some distractions, and that's what fasting and prayer is all about. Let me end with this, uh, and this is the individual part. <clears throat> I, I, I want to do everything I can as a pastor to encourage you, listen, don't just let this be another Sunday series. Engage this thing. We're not doing this just, just you know, to get more information, just to make ourselves feel better so we can say, man, we had a great Sunday. Those things are wonderful. We're doing this because we are chasing something that God promised repeatedly, and that is that he wants to do the impossible, and I'm asking you to engage. You know, Pastor James in James chapter 1, verse 22, he said that we are to not just be listeners to the word of God only, but we're to listen with the intention of putting it into practice and then put it into practice. And so my question for you is, will you engage? Will you lean in? Will you take this first one? Whatever it is for you, take another step and lean in deeper. And, and you can start by asking yourself questions just in your time with the Lord. Maybe while you're driving to work, maybe while you're in the shower. Lord, what are things that are impossible for me? Things that maybe I don't even think about anymore because I just thought, yeah, that's not going to happen. What are those things that you want to see happen in my life? And some of them will be obvious because you can't stop thinking about them. But what are those things that are impossible? Areas that maybe you got hit hard and life twisted and turned and you don't know how to get back on track again. 
areas that you thought it was going to be different, it was going to be wonderful, and all of a sudden, it's not. And it's like, I don't know what to do about that. Maybe they involve somebody else, and that means it's even harder. It's like, I can fix me, but what about them? How are they going to get fixed? What about those areas? And start leaning in. And, and part of the way you can do that is, listen, and I'm not saying this because I delivered it. Listen to me. These are on podcasts or they're going to be online. Listen to the message again. Only this time with a second set of ears. The first, first set of ears is just listening to the concept. The second time, get your Bible, get a pencil, take some time and just listen to, if you have to, little segments at a time and write some things down and say, speak to me, Holy Spirit. What are you saying? Because we have to systematically begin to let the Lord do something in our heart and change our mind and help you to realize, listen, God can do the impossible, but he will do it for you. Whatever's stopping you, it's common. It's common. You can blow through that this year and never look back, never face it again, and be on the other side of this forever, and life will exponentially change. This is what God wants to have for us, but we need you to lean in. And so think about those things. What are those things? And where am I doubting? Where am I struggling? Which one of those struggles is affecting me? And let the Holy Spirit begin to move in your heart. Thank you for listening to me this morning. And I'm going to be praying that the Word of God that you've pulled, pulled into your heart is going to produce and that God's going to exponentially demonstrate to you that He will do what He promised He would do. for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.